looking in Mark chapter number 5, if you've got a copy of the Word of God, Mark chapter number 5, that song came to my mind just by this lesson that we can find here in the scripture of a man possessed of the devils, the demons, what a wicked, vile state he was found in, and nobody could help him till the Lord showed up. Amen. That's the same way I was. Nobody could help me until the Lord showed up. And I'm glad he's still passing by tonight. Amen. I'm glad there's still help to be found. The world can't help you. There's no help to be found there. But there's help in Jesus tonight. And I'm glad that he still loves us. And he'll help you if you call out on him. Amen. So if you've got a copy of the word of God, I'm looking tonight. Mark 5, starting in verse number 1. Scripture says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, that's Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces and neither could any man tame him in all ways. Night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when Jesus saw him afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd violently, uh, ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. Notice verse 15. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they, they that saw it told them how it befell to him that it, he was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And he was coming into the ship. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. So he wanted to follow after Jesus. Amen. When so, Jesus does something for you, you want to get as close to him as you can possibly get. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, tell them the great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. That's how powerful our God is tonight. He's still the same, and he wants to deliver us from anything that we have going on in our lives. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we ask for these next few moments, God, that you just come down, touch our lips, help us, 
God, we need you tonight. God, there's nothing about us that's uh, anything. But God, if you'll come down, God, you meet with us. God, you have your will and way. God, we can leave here tonight saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for bringing us this way one more time. And God, we thank you for the privilege to stand just to try to uplift the name of Jesus. God, help us to do that tonight, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this text here that we read, we find... Uh, if you read in Mark chapter number 4, we've, we've preached kind of on that the last time we stood before you. It's about how the disciples went out. And, uh, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And he went to the bottom of the ship to pray. And the great storm come up. And we know what happened there. And the disciples went and woke up the master when their boat started filling up with water. And they thought they were going down for the last time. Said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? We said then, that wasn't that just a foolish question that they asked the Lord. Of course he cared about their situation. You see, God in his foreknowledge knew there was a reason he wanted to go to the other side. He knew there was a man up there in the tombs that needed a touch that only he could bring. He knew that there had been people trying to help this man, but nobody could bring to him what Jesus could bring. When Jesus said, let's go to the other side, it's just like when he said, I must needs go through Samaria. He said, I I must needs to go to the other side because there's somebody over there that needs a touch. I'm glad that that when somebody needs a touch, Jesus will come right to where they are. Amen. But I often imagine, we started out reading in the scripture here, the scripture tells us that immediately this man met them on the shore. And I love to picture this in my mind because high up there in the mountains where this man was staying, up there in the tombs, in the catacombs, all these places that he were, he could see out across the sea. He could see the storms blowing in. He could see the boats out there on the water. He could see when they were going down. Don't you know the devils inside of them rejoiced every time that a ship was lost to the storm. When he saw this particular storm, I believe tonight, he could see where they were. He said, oh yeah, we're going to get to see another one go down. We're going to get to see another one meet their doom. But can you imagine what he saw when the Lord stepped out on the edge of that boat and he said, peace, be still, and instantly the storm ceased. Can you imagine what happened to him? I imagine that's why it says immediately he met them on the coast there because he knew whoever calmed the storm, whoever calmed the waves, whoever calmed the wind, was certainly big enough to calm the storm that was raging down inside of him. He knew that there was help to be found. And the scripture tells us immediately he met them on the shore there. Now in this chapter, Jesus moves into a new set of miracles that he's going to partake of. We saw him, how he began his ministry, turning the water into wine, all the things that he'd done, all the things that the disciples had seen. They didn't know what they were getting ready to see coming on this shore right here. They didn't know there was a demoniac, a man full of a legion of devils waiting for them. They didn't know how much that the, the townspeople had tried to contain him or how they tried to help him. But they were getting ready to witness a miracle. And that's the same Jesus that we're serving tonight, amen. No doubt if this demon-possessed man were alive today, they'd probably lock him up in a mental ward. They'd try to drug him to death and do all these things. But I'm glad Jesus is still able to deliver in a time of a circumstance like this. Amen. So for just a few moments, I want us to take a trip to the cemetery. I want us to take a trip to this mountain 
where the, the demoniacs stayed. I want us to watch what the Lord can do. I want us to see that he can do something when nobody else can. That sounds like a message I preached the other night. It says, when God, when I can see no way, God can certainly make a way. That's the same God that we're talking about here tonight. I want us to watch him set a captive free. I want us to watch him set a soul free, change a life. I want us to, to see his divine sovereign power on display here. And I want us to see how Jesus handles a case of a hopeless man. This situation of this man was a hopeless one. There was nobody that could help him. Everyone around had done everything they could to try to help this man. But nobody could get the help that he needed. Nobody could bring the help that only Jesus can bring. But one day, Jesus passed by his way. Aren't you glad Jesus passed by your way one day? Didn't it make a difference when you met the Lord? Amen. I tried everything under the sun, all that the religion could offer. But there wasn't nothing like the peace that Jesus brought. And as we read the story here of this possessed man, I want us to get some lessons from him. I want us to see some lessons here from a possessed man. As we watch the Lord work in this hopeless situation, I want you to keep in mind that Jesus can do the same thing for you tonight. He's still all-powerful. He's still all-God tonight. And he's still willing to come right to where you're at if you need to call out on him. Amen. But number one, I want us to talk about a savage man. And firstly, I want us to see, verse number two, I want to see his problem. The passage open here says, he went Immediately there met them out of a tombs a man with an unclean spirit. We're told that he had this unclean spirit. Then we find out, verse, chapter, or verse number 9, that not just one spirit, but he was possessed with a legion of spirits. Now, a legion could have been anywhere from 2,000 to 6,000 uh, Roman soldiers. That's what a legion was back in the day. So this legion had took over this man's body in full control. That's what happens when we get out in the world. When a, when a lost person gets, starts dabbling in things in the world, they give control to the devil and he can fill him up. Before too long, he's taken over completely. And there's only one thing that can set them free. His name is Jesus, amen. But I would remind you that this man's situation here is no different than anybody else out in the world today. Ephesians 2, 1, 3 says, For you... Hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past. I'm glad we can talk about the times past because they're in the past. Amen. Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And John went so far to say in chapter 8, verse 44, says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. And the father of it. We find this man here. He's in a pitiful shape. And so are all the lost people in all the world today. They're in a state of defilement. What a horrible state we find them in. But secondly, in verse number 3 and 4, I want you to see his pain. Two words describe this man's condition tonight. Chains and tombs. Those words reveal a truth about this man that he found his dwelling among the dead. 
The demons that controlled him, they drove him away from the living. They drove him away from the light. They drove him into the mountains where it was dark, into the catacombs and into the caves there where they buried their dead in the darkness. Don't you know the devil loves the darkness tonight? We're called to be children of the light tonight because he is the light of the world, amen. We're called to be that same light to a lost and dying world. But in those days, people didn't bury their dead in the ground. They dug out maybe a cave in the side of a mountain or found a cleft in the rock. That's where they put the dead. That's where this man was living, among the bones, under the rotten, decaying corpses of the dead people of the town there. That's where he made his home. We look at him and he's a poor soul, but it's not hard to see that the world's in the same condition around us. They, they, they position themselves in the things of darkness. They position themselves with the things of evil and with death and decay and all these things. That's where we find the lost people of the world. And that's the same way we were when Jesus came and found us. He, I dwelled in the tombs of the dead, amen. But I'm glad he passed by where I was at. The lost hate things that pertain to light or to life. They hate things that pertain to anything to do with God. They hate everything to do with Him and His work in the world today. So they shun the light. They shun the things of God. They shun those who know God. That's why this man lived alone, dwelling in the darkness in the, with, among the dead because there was light to be found from those that knew Jesus in the village there. The man has his ways of seeking to cure problems but they try every way but the right way. Man, we build jails to hold these people. We build prisons and all these things, try to rehabilitate all these things when man just needs Jesus. Doctors will put people on pills, prescribe potions, and use psychology to try to answer all the problems with man when there's one simple answer for all the problems of mankind. His name is still Jesus. Amen. The problem with our efforts to try to cure within ourselves, there's no light to be found with us. It's all darkness, except we point them to Jesus. Amen. Man's efforts can never treat a lost and dying man's soul. There's no way to do that. If man's going to get the help he needs, he's going to have to look to Jesus. Amen. Lost people, they choose the darkness over the light because they hate the light. John 3, 19 says, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. For men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil, evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Lost people choose sin over the Savior because... They're evil inherently because Adam fell in the Garden of Eden. They were sentenced to death, a sinful, painful death because that, they re- that he rejected God's ways. But I'm glad that there was a remedy that was sent down. His name is still what? Jesus, amen. Paul tells us that the way of a lost, uh, the way of a lost man in Romans 3 says, As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. For there is none that doeth good. No, not one. He goes on in verse 23. says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, if you're in here tonight and you started dabbling in the darkness, if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, if you start turning back, you'll start slipping away. 
when I, when I picture this, I, we was at the beach not, maybe just a couple of years ago. I turned my back to the shore. We was out bouncing in the waves. It wasn't very long. I was about half a mile down the shoreline because I drifted away. Didn't even realize I had drifted so far. I was enjoying the waves, enjoying the water. That's the way sin is. There's pleasure in sin for just a season. But you don't realize how far you'll drift away from God until you look around, start looking for Him. And He's so far in the distance, it's going to be hard for you to get back to Him. But I'm glad that He'll come to you if you call out on Him. Amen. He's still the same God tonight. But when we get in the church and we have trouble sitting through the preaching, you have a spiritual problem. If you find yourselves finding reasons to avoid the house of God, you have a spiritual problem. If you find yourself longing for the things of the world or for the things that you used to follow after, you, my friend, have a spiritual problem. And there's a problem with you if you're searching after those things. But I'm glad God still has a way for us to come back to Him. Amen. Thirdly, I want us to look at His powerlessness in verse number 5. Can you imagine... The terror that this man caused to all those around in the village there. He's living among the tombs. He stays naked. He runs around like a wild man day and night. He cuts himself with rocks. He's covered with blood and with scars. He's filthy. No doubt he stinks. He smells. He's terrifying to everyone that sees him. Nobody wants to be around him. And he's screaming and yelling in torment all the live long day. We're not told why he cut himself, but no doubt it's the demonic possession within him that caused him to cut himself to find some relief from these demons within. If you had two to 6,000 demons inside of you, wouldn't you want to find some relief some way? Just being lost is bad enough. I remember what it was to be under the burden of sin when I come and laid it down in an old-fashioned altar and Jesus came and he lifted that load off of me. How wonderful it was, how light it felt, how good it was to be saved. Can you imagine how light this man felt when the burden of sin, all these demons were relieved from him, how he must have felt. There ain't nothing like the feeling that Jesus brings, amen. But whether you're lost and bound in sin or you're saved and out of God's will, there's only one cure for your condition tonight. The same one that came to this man, his name is still Jesus. The cure is not a pill, it's not a physician, it's not a doctor, not a psychiatrist, not a priest, not a 12-step program. You need Jesus, amen. He's the antidote for the poison of sin. He's the cure for your sinful condition. And he's the solution for the sin problem of all mankind. So here we see a man that's in a desperate, wretched condition. He's horrible. Yet this could be laid over and it'd be an example of everybody in the world today that don't know Jesus. They're defiled. They're depraved. And they're desperate. And there's billions of people like this poor man. They need to know who Jesus was. Maybe there's somebody under the sound of my voice today. You're in that same condition. You need to know who Jesus is, that he's able to deliver. He's able to save. And there's still hope tonight in Jesus Christ. And we've talked about the savage man. Secondly tonight, I want us to look at the saving man. His name's Jesus. Firstly, verse number six, I want to see his compassion. Now, everybody in the region feared this demoniac. They fled in terror whenever he came near. They trembled. They didn't want nothing to do with him. Everybody but Jesus. He's the one that he said, let's go to the other side. 
There's a man there that needs some help. Amen. Jesus did not avoid him. He made a special trip through a storm, slept through the storm to get to the other side. Thank God for the love and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Amen. There's no hopeless cases with him. You ain't gone far enough where Jesus can't come to you. People no doubt thought this man was too far gone, that he was without hope, that he'd never see the light of day again. But what did Jesus do? He came to him, and he loved him in spite of who he was. I'm glad he loved me in spite of who I was. When I was wrapped up in the chains and the fetters of sin, he come and loved me in spite of all that. He come and he set me free, just like he did this man here. He was dirty, he was smelly, and he had the world smell all over him. But I'm glad he still come to save a lost man, aren't you? He's still doing that today. When we see a drunk, Jesus sees things different. He sees maybe a deacon. When we see a drug dealer or a drug addict, maybe Jesus can see a preacher a little farther down the road. When we see a harlot, Jesus maybe can see a choir member. He knows what we can be because of what he does for us. I'm glad he don't see us just in our presence. Scripture tells us he sees us seated in heavenly places. He sees our end from our beginning. He knows where we're going to be a little farther down the road. He knows what you can be through his power, amen. That's how lives are changed when we come to Jesus. He'll take what you give him. And I've often said I'm proof that God will use anybody. And I am. I know who I am. I know who I was. But thank God I'm not who I was. Amen. I'm not what I ought to be every day, but I'm not what I was. God's he's still working on me, amen. But I'm glad that he loves me tonight. I tell you this, if you give Jesus your thorn, he'll give you back a rose. If you give him your darkness, he'll give you light. If you give, like when, when Jesus took Jacob, the schemer, he gave us Israel. Things happen when we give our lives to Jesus, amen. Things happen when we turn things over to him. Give Jesus to Simon, the cursing fisherman. You'll get Simon Peter, the thundering preacher. Give Jesus to Saul, the persecutor of the church. He'll give you back a Paul, amen, the, the mighty apostle and the greatest preacher that ever lived. Give Jesus yourself. Try Jesus and be amazed at what he can do with you, amen. It's amazing what Jesus can do when we put our life into his hands. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Secondly, I want to see the confrontation. This man who ran from everyone else fled and ran to the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture says immediately he was on the shore to meet him because he knew that there was help to be had. Verse 8, Jesus confronts the demons, ordering them to release their captive. Now it says that he come to bow down before him. What you've got to realize tonight, that these, these demons did not bow this man down to worship him. But the demons acknowledged the deity and the authority of Jesus Christ and how powerful and true, truly God he was. And they beg him not to torment them before their time. Luke 8.31 says, And they besought him that he would not command them to go into the deep. In verse 12 here, the demons then request that they might be allowed to enter the swine in a nearby field. Now there's 2,000 pigs over here in a field. And they filled every one of them. All these demons that were in, inside this man 
took a whole herd of swine and drowned them. Now this scripture teaches us something unique. And it teaches us something important. It teaches us that all spirits are subject to God's authority. There's no devil. There's no demon that's more powerful than the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Amen. They recognize his position. They recognize his authority. And they must know that they have his permission to do these things. Even Jesus is still the master of all the demons. Amen. But this passage teaches us that this man is the most depraved creature in the land. How could he tolerate a legion of demons? When one or two entered a pig, we don't know how many entered the pigs, but all these spread out to 2,000 pigs. And they, they, they run down, and as our pastor said so often, they committed suicide. They run off a cliff and drowned themselves. How could a man be so depraved that he housed this many demons inside of him? Friend, can I tell you something? That's how deprived, depraved me and you are. There's no limit to the badness that we can do without the Lord Jesus Christ. We wonder why men are so wicked. Men just do what sinners do. And we've not seen depravity yet. I don't, I don't find the world's getting in a bad shape. But the scriptures tells us that it's just going to wax worse and worse and worse and worse. So if we think it's bad now, what are we going to see five, ten years down the road if the Lord don't come back? I'm glad he's coming back to take us home one day. Amen. Thirdly, I want us to see his command. Uh, every human effort had delivered, had tried to deliver this man from the bondage of these demons. A man could, have, could not prevail over them, but Jesus, all he had to do was speak. The same one that spoke to the storm is the same one that spoke to these devils. That's for the glory of God, amen. Man can try religion, it will fail. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man could boast. We can try anything, try to work up a movement of the Holy Ghost. It ain't going to work. But if God chooses to settle down, business will pick up, amen. It makes a difference when God's in the house. It makes a difference when the Holy Spirit comes by where we're at. When he passes by, things will change. When man passed by this demoniac, Nothing changed. When they put him in chains, bound him in fetters, nothing changed for this man. But when Jesus come by, oh, what a difference it made when he come by where they where he was. Set him free from the bondage of these demons. Amen. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He also said in 6.37 of John, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So there's only one solution tonight for the problem of sin. His name is Jesus. There's only one hope for the fallen soul of man. His name is Jesus. There's only one hope for those who are still trapped in the bondage of sin tonight. And that hope's name is Jesus. Amen. I'm glad tonight one word from Jesus. And death is swallowed up in life. One word and darkness is driven away by light. One word from him, Satan loses his grip on the sinner's soul. One word from Jesus, sin loses its power to control the sinner. One word, one touch from him, amen, the captive is set free. Sin is forgiven forever. A life is changed. A lost soul can become a child of God. One word from Jesus Christ. I remember when he was calling out to me. I could, not in an audible voice, but it's almost like he was saying, come. 
You remember gripping the seat, maybe he was under conviction. You remember when he was lost and you knew you needed to come to an altar and kneel down before a holy, mighty God gave you life to him because of the conviction of sin that was under you. And he's just here tonight saying, come, 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 take of the water of life freely. That's what he's still calling for us to do tonight. We've seen a savage man. We just looked at a saving man. Servants who were tending the herd, they went to the town and told their masters everything that had happened. They, could, they saw the change that was coming. They said, come and see what's happened to this man. And they all came. Verse number 15, we see that Jesus changed him. When the townspeople get to where they were, they didn't find the crazy man running around cutting himself. They didn't find the man living in the tombs any longer. They didn't see him running around naked and crying all of every breath that he had. No, no. When they come and found him, they found him clothed in his right mind, seated beside of Jesus. That's how powerful Jesus is. He can change your life immediately if you just let him. And he wants to do that same thing for you tonight. That's what the Lord does. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We find that Jesus clothed him, Jesus changed him, and Jesus calmed him down. We're told that he's in his right mind now. That's what God can do. Where there was turmoil, where there was agitation, where there was hatred, where there was evil, God took it all away when he met Jesus. That's what he does for us, amen. Jesus changed him from the inside out. And he started with the man's real problem. A lot of times we try to take people and we want to clean them up and make them look good on the outside. When really what we need to be doing is let God do a work from the inside. Because when God cleans from the inside, the outside will just naturally follow. The outside will be right when you clean up what's on the inside. That's what we see in this man here. Jesus didn't go tell him to put clothes on. Jesus didn't tell him to go take a bath. Jesus didn't tell him nothing like that. But he come and he knelt at Jesus' feet. And what did Jesus do? He cleaned him up from the inside out. Took all the evil that was within him. Washed him white as snow. That's what he's still doing to sinners today. When we come to an old-fashioned altar and we call out on him to save us, he takes that dirty, dirty, rotten sin, the stinking rags of sin that's within us, and he takes them out, cleans us up. And that's what he's still doing today, amen. He's still able to do that for you. Do you remember when he did that for you? How clean you felt? How good you felt? I tell you what, sometimes we need to remember how good it felt to be saved. We lose our joy of our salvation. We forget what God's done for us. He took us from a dirty, rotten, miry pit of sin to set us on a solid rock, established our goings, amen, cleaned us up, made us something worthy that we could go to heaven one day and be with Him. Not because of us, but because of Him. All because of Him. Bless His holy name tonight. So we see that Jesus cleaned him up from the inside out. And secondly, we see that we have a committed man here. He's ready to follow Jesus everywhere he goes. Oh, that people would do that today. We can't get people to come out to the house of God on a Wednesday night to save our lives. Can't get them on a Sunday morning hardly, much less a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. Thank you all for being here. I'm not fussing at you. Amen. 
We're all here. But that's the world we're living in. But we see a changed man here. He wanted to follow. He asked Jesus, let me go with you. I want to be with you. And that's what it is when Jesus comes and does something for you. Something so radical that you can't explain it. You want to follow after him. When, he, when you realize that he cleans you up the way he did, boy, you want to do what you can for him. And that's what this man wanted to do. What did Jesus tell him? He said, you can't come with me, but you can go tell everybody in your town what I've done for you. Not everybody can be the preacher. Not everybody can be a traveling evangelist or a traveling singer. But can I tell you something? God's got a field for you to work in. God's got a place for you to go. God's got people for you to tell about him. And he wants you to do that. I learned this, grow where you're planted. Go where he commands and then grow where you're planted. If you do that, God will use you in a mighty, mighty way. God can do anything. We know that. And as I said earlier, I'm, I, when you look at me, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. But because of him, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ, amen. It's because of him that he, that he lets us work the way we do. But we see him committed here. There are multitudes like that today. Give them a little Sunday morning service. They're satisfied. They've done their duty for the week. He wants people committed to Christ. How committed are you tonight? Thank you for being here. Our Wednesday night crowd. The backbone of our church. Thank you. But where's everybody else? There's a lack of commitment in our churches today. Why? I don't understand. He did everything for me. I want to do all I can for him. Amen. But I know this. When you come to a place in your life where you're satisfied with your walk with God, you're going to start having problems. We can always get closer. But when we're satisfied with our current position, it's then we start slipping backwards a little bit. When you come to a place where the preaching gets boring, you've got a problem. When you come to a place where church loses its interest to you, you've got a problem. When you refuse to give Jesus a little more of your time, you start taking away from him, we've got problems. Friends, we don't have to live like that. He wants us to be committed. This man was committed to Christ. He wanted to follow him. I want to follow him tonight. Amen? Do you want to follow him tonight? Amen. I believe that tonight. I want to follow him. He expects us to follow him. Let's follow him in the fields that he leads us in. Amen. So thirdly and lastly tonight, I see that he was commissioned for Jesus. Jesus refused his request to follow him, to travel with him. He said, instead, I want you to go back and tell everybody what I've done for you. Go tell the town what I've done. And beyond that, go tell the Decapolis. What's that? That was ten cities there right together. Deca means ten. There was ten towns there that needed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And how are they going to hear about it unless a preacher sent to them? This is a man that when people saw him, they would run in fear. Don't you know that they're going to remember who this man used to be? Don't you remember, know that they're going to remember what he looked like? How he hollered day and night. How he lived in the tombs. How he stunk. How he had blood all over him. How he cut himself. And then they're going to see this same man clothed and in his right mind telling people about somebody that can save anybody. 
How powerful a testimony is tonight. Can I tell you something tonight? Your testimony is just as powerful as this man's is. We just have to go tell it. God commands us to go tell it to the world. This man still bears the scars from his body, from his past sins. But I'll tell you this, the look in his eye was different. There's something different about him. Instead of screaming wildly and out of control, he's telling people about Jesus. He's preaching about Jesus. He isn't running around like a wild man anymore, but he's calm, sane, in his right mind, telling people how Jesus changed his life. How many people have you told lately about how Jesus changed your life? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I don't tell everybody the way I should. Sometimes I'm embarrassed. Sometimes I'm ashamed. I don't want to be like that. And I don't think you do either. But that's who we are. We cower down in fear when a lost and dying world needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We don't have to preach a long sermon to them. But we can live a life in front of them showing the goodness of God. Showing that he can change a lost and dying sinner. Clean him up, make him something that he ought to be. Amen. Mark 16, 15 says, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We're commanded to share the gospel with those who do not know the Lord. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus promised he'd be with us always. When we tell somebody about him, he's with us. When we don't tell somebody about him, he's with us too. He sees all that. I want to be a witness to a lost and dying world. I want to be a witness to my co-workers. I want to be a witness to my family. I want to be a witness to everybody around me to show them that there's, a, there's joy and there's a difference that comes with serving Jesus and knowing Him and making Him Lord and Savior of your life. Amen. But I would imagine that when this man told the people, nobody could argue about his testimony because they could plainly see what Jesus had done for him where Jesus had brought him from and where he is now. Aren't you glad that you're not where you used to be? Amen. I'm glad I'm not where I used to be in the bondage of sin. Amen. Now people, they may argue about doctrines and all this thing, but they cannot argue with a testimony of what God's done for them. Nothing's more powerful than this man's testimony right here. Can you imagine how many people he got to witness to and tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as we're standing to our feet this evening, I ask you this, are you doing all that you can do? Are you a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ? What's your spiritual condition today? When the Lord looks down on Bethel Baptist Church tonight, and He's seeing us right where we're at, what's He seeing when He looks inside of you? Every day as you're trying to serve Him or you're going out in your daily walk with, with the Lord and in the world and all these things, He sees how we act. He sees how we react. He sees how we interact. He sees all these things. What's He seeing? I'd say many times I make Him ashamed of me. And I make Him ashamed. I don't want to disappoint Him. 
Because I know this, I've never been disappointed in him. But I'm afraid many times I've disappointed him. And he's done so much for me. He's done so much for you. So are you serving him like you should? Or have you forgotten where he's brought you from? So you too were bound in sin. You too were bound in the chains and the fetters of a lost and dying world. But if you know him, he came to where you were. He delivered you, set you free. What have we done with it? Bethel, what have we done with it tonight? They're going to sing a song. I don't know, maybe you want to come pray with me. I know I need to be a better witness. I need to tell more people. I try to live right. I really do. But I fail him so many times. I don't want to disappoint him anymore. I want to be all I can be for him. So as they sing, you need to come and pray. You come. As a 